This is The Michael Bryan Show. Hi everyone, welcome back to the show and today I'm joined with Mike Zeller who's an entrepreneur, an author and he's been featured in Forbes Business Insider, Fox News and many, many others. His book is actually The Genius Within and we're talking about the zone of genius today. So Mike, firstly, thanks for being a guest on the show and tell us a bit about the zone of genius and how you got started. Hey, Mike. Uh, so honored to be here and excited to connect with you. Basically, I started the quest to understand my own wiring, my own talents, my own strengths years ago, because I also noticed I sucked at certain things. I was not so good at certain things. And uh, and I was amazing at other things. And uh, at first, you know, you think in, in school, oh, I got to manage my weaknesses. I got to or I got to like get better at my weaknesses. Well, the secret to high performance often is really managing your weaknesses but locking in on your strengths doubling down on your strengths and i found i've found that to be true over and over and over again high performers uh the best of the best men they are locked in on their strengths and uh and so uh starting a bunch of different businesses i saw that i was really good at certain aspects of business but also was terrible at others and i would procrastinate forever on things that were not in my wheelhouse which is a clue that it's not one of your areas of genius. So you should delegate or, uh, uh, you know, outlay that in some way. So it's not on your plate if you tend to procrastinate and you suck at something. Uh, and just being honest with yourself is a big thing as well for leaders uh, today. So back to you. One of the things that I got really curious about when I was doing some research into the zone of genius is just how important being self-aware is and understanding your strengths, your weaknesses, but how do you focus down onto it? How do you get to a point where you're able to say no to some things because this thing over here, that's what you're best at. That's what your zone of genius is. How do you get to a space where you knuckle down and find one thing rather than let's say, I've got multiple things that I'm best at, but how do you make those final decisions? I think we've all got multiple layers of genius in in most cases. So, um, you know, if you think about all the things we could potentially do or create, uh, it might be like a hundred plus things. And uh, so, you know what, if I have three or four or five things that I really enjoy doing, and personally for me, um, you know, some people, they want to lock in on one or two things. I like doing three or four or five different things because I, it keeps variety. One of my, uh, you know, Tony Robbins, are you familiar with Tony Robbins, Six Core Human Needs? I am, yeah. Yeah. So, like, variety is a human need for me that's higher than maybe some. Like, my wife does not like variety as much. She wants things to be the safe, same, predictable um because she's more safety driven she needs more certainty certainty is a bigger priority for her so naturally we'll have some friction around that um but man i love creating uh, part of my genius i'm a business architect and i can see how to build a brand a business uh how to design a business around your genius and so uh that's a big big value for me and uh and and i can lock in now i've got to create space so like what one of the things i love to do is i'll block off the most valuable parts of my day 
typically, which is for me, the first three to four hours I'm awake. And that's when I'm going to do what I'm best at and what I'm most desperately needed in. And I'm going to have fun doing it. I'm going to lock in. I'm going to put my fancy noise canceling headphones on. I'm going to get out of the house, um, get away from the wife and baby, not because I don't love them, but because I want to lock in and focus and create and uh, and and I have fun. I get to swim in the world. I get to swim in creation. For me, that's a lot of fun as an entrepreneur and leader and a creator. Um, and but I got to block that time away. And the other cool thing is, is I'm twice as likely to step in a flow state if I'm functioning out of my strengths instead of my weaknesses. And when I'm in flow state or anyone is in flow state, they're 500 percent more productive it's crazy 500 percent. that is pretty intense that's a massive massive difference isn't it it is it is and so one of the secrets is like hey all right how do i get myself in flow state how do i get myself like you think of i think one of the fundamental truths of anyone that does creates an exceptional family that creates an exceptional business or is exceptional at their work or exceptional health, you gotta, they're environmental designers. And you gotta like, think of family. Oh, I gotta create wisdom and health, relational health. What does that look like? What's the environment need to look like for relational health? Oh, we deal with conflict. We don't avoid things. We don't shove things under the rug, but we also deal with conflict kindly and respectfully and create space for people to listen. That's the environment we create. Health, hey, if I'm eating junk food in, junk food out. Uh, right, like I gotta. If I'm uh, my health and fitness routine is poor, guess what? My body functionality is going to be much further below its potential. Um, business success. How do I like one of the things I like to ask a lot of my mastermind members um, or any any anybody that is under my mentorship? Ask, hey, what does my environment need to look like for the success that I crave? whatever, however I define it, to be inevitable, meaning I want gravity to pull me up, not down. What's that success look like? So the people, the places, the tribe, the experiences, um, the mindset, what is my diet, my mental diet? Am I listening to great podcasts like this? Am I connecting with great people like you? Or am I connecting with negative Nancys and complainers and moaners and groaners and whoever, right? Like I want to connect with those that expand me, the people that give me life, not the people that give me death. And I, I have to make that hard decision to nix those people out or reduce my time and exposure to them and double down on the time and exposure to people that lift me up. And then, then put myself in roles and opportunities that I'm most likely to succeed and flourish in. How do you structure your mornings given that you block off the first few hours do you have a way of setting those hours up whether it's a morning routine or anything like that do you have something that you stick to religiously that helps you perform yeah i definitely do um most since you're in ireland this is a rare rare early morning uh podcast interview for me uh but because you're an irish brother uh, in different time zone um but normally the first three hours I, my phone is typically off. It's not on. It's in airplane mode. I don't check my email. I don't check my social. Uh, in most cases, I will spend the first 30 minutes 
um, doing like a meditation, doing my incantations. Um, you know, if you're not familiar with incantations or affirmations, so I'll stand up in the morning and I'll say, uh, I've got it recorded. It's two minutes and 23 seconds long. And it starts with, I am Magic Mike. I create magic in people's lives and businesses. I'm a powerful force for good. I am a wealth magnet. I'm a uh, amazing and loving and doting father and uncle, all those things, devoted husband, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So I declare where I'm going every single day. Because guess what? I don't wake up pumped up. I wake up when my alarm clock goes off. I want to I want to hit snooze uh, most mornings, <laughs> but I'm not going to do my best if I'm hitting snooze every morning. So um, and then if I'm kind of in mental cobwebs, I want to direct my mind and my emotions to where it wants to go, where I want it to go. So that's the I kick off with that affirmations. I have a genius supplement, a nootropic. Nootropics are, you know, supplements that help your brain focus and stimulate uh, uh, mental performance. So I take that in the morning from Genius Brand, um, and it's got some ashwagandha and other things, natural uh, Ayurvedic herbs that uh, help you stay calm but locked in. And then I do some matcha, a matcha latte, and then I will start after my 30 minutes of, of reading. I'll typically read for 10 to 15 minutes. I'll read longer during the course of the day, but I'll lock in for the morning just to get my mind right. I'll do a little bit of journaling. I'll review my action items for the day. And then I'll dive in typically to a writing or creative project, something that needs me to think. I'll do one of my best, most value. I want to use my best energy. Not all hours are the same. So I've got about three to four hours of peak mental and emotional energy. I want to use that on my most important, biggest needle mover um, in my life or business. And so like I might be writing a book. I often, I wrote my book typically from the hours of 5 a.m. to 8 a.m. Um, uh, every morning for about 30 days. And I had it done after that. I've heard you've got quite the skill when it comes to your matcha lattes in the morning. Have you got any <laughs> words of wisdom to share on that? Yeah, I love, you know, matcha. Matcha has uh, about 100 times more antioxidants than coffee. And it also has L-theanine, which creates more focus. So again, I want to create, I don't want the jitters and I don't want the energy crash, but basically to create a great matcha latte, I, I literally think I have created the best matcha latte recipe in the world. No joke. So you got to start with great ingredients. So this Ujido matcha brand, uh, it's, it, you don't necessarily need the ceremonial matcha, but matcha is uh, basically ground up uh, a select group of green tea leaves ground, finely ground into powder. Um, and so you get this Ujido. Um, it has about half the uh, caffeine of a cup of coffee, a little bit more, maybe two thirds of the caffeine, but it's slow release. And then, so I get that, I blend it in with a little sea salt, Himalayan sea salt, one little, like half of a teaspoon, whatever it is, uh, a little water, hot water, blend that with a whisk, add some oat milk, full fat oat milk or coconut milk, whatever your milk of choice. Uh, regular milk if you'd like, but that creates inflammation, dairy milk does. Um, so then I add uh, some, a spoonful, small spoonful of coconut oil and butter and honey or maple syrup uh, and some cinnamon on top. 
and it is absolutely delicious, guys. So it's it's really freaking good. I've had people rave about it once they've tried it. <laughs> so <laughs> it's it sounds like you've took bulletproof coffee and gone. How can I add to it? There seems like there's something missing because you mentioned butter and and oat milk and things like that, and it just instantly made me think of bulletproof coffee. Yeah, it's 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 bulletproof coffee for uh, matcha latte with my own little twist. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love do you drink it. matcha? I I'm trying to actually reduce things like caffeine at the moment, but from Yeah. what you said, that it's definitely. Um, Definitely a replacement worth considering for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, you'll dig it. I am going to give it a go. When I tried to figure out the idea of the zone of genius, making sure that you're in your best state, because I've, I've realized, and I'm sure you can speak to this as well, is... Does the zone of genius change and shift depending on your own state? So let's say you look after your health more, you eat better, you exercise a little bit more. Let's say you make notes before you start committing to your health and your zone of genius could be whatever it happens to be. Then you make a commitment to your health. Let's say you start to work out every day. Does your zone of genius shift as you start to improve yourself? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, great. Yeah, exactly. Uh, good question, Michael. So naturally, like what it, uh, I'm a human being, which means I'm housed in a body. So how do I get my body into peak performance? Like I want to feel good. I don't want to just feel not bad. I want to feel freaking good. I want to feel focused, energized, excited. Um, and so my diet, like I noticed uh, as an example, one time I ate, um, I went a whole year. I was on a super strict diet because I was playing baseball, college baseball, and I did not eat a single fried food for a whole year. And I would limit myself to one dessert a week. So I would have a dessert on Sundays and uh, eliminated soda, eliminated any like super sugary drink. Um, and I got my body fat down to 6%. And then after, yeah, after that, uh, my nickname freshman year of college was beefcake. Uh, my fraternity brothers used to call me beefcake um, because I was just shredded. I was, I was ripped uh, physically. Um, but then uh, at the end of that year, I, I was like, you know what? I want some Long John Silvers, which is American fast food, beer battered, fried uh, fish and uh, chicken. I go to Long John Silver's and I ordered what it was one of my favorite meals when I was a kid. I pick it up, go home, I eat it. The next day I felt depressed. I literally felt depressed. And I was like, whoa, this is what it feels like to eat fried foods. If I've been cleansed of it, but then I go get it. And then many people are eating fried foods every week or every day even. I French fries, for example, now I, I don't eat most of the time I will have, I can count on one hand how many times a year I will have fried, typical fried French fries. Even though I love them, what do I do? We actually have an air fryer now. So I can, I can cut up French fries and eat, uh, eat without the oil, without the bad fats. Um, but it, uh, Dave Asprey, the founder of Bulletproof, since we mentioned that, he talks about how 
fried foods are one of the most destructive things to our brain and to performance. So I, I don't want that junk because I, I know my family deserves me showing up. My clients deserve me showing up. My, uh, myself, my God, my purpose deserves me showing up at my best. So am I gonna in, am, am I gonna put sludge in my body? Heck no. I want to be disciplined about that. And eating healthy doesn't have living healthy doesn't have to be something that tastes bad. Like I, anyone will tell you, I'm a foodie. I like good food. I like good drinks. I don't want to eat crap. Life's too short to eat crap. So I'm not just uh, gonna eat you know like a rabbit. Um, but I will. I'm gonna eat some good stuff too. I found that when I first started to grow a business or build something for myself, I realized that when I started, things were very different because mm. I never really understood how when I improve, whether I learn a new skill or I focus more on my mental state, my mental health, I found that when I started to do that, everything started to change. The mm. potential of what I could do was so much more than what it was when I started. Did you have any experiences where your zone of genius shifted because you did all the things that we spoke about before, focusing on your health, focusing on your mental state and all those things? Did you have that for yourself? Yeah, I think that's a phenomenal point. Um, I think when we when we are focused on our when we get our health, uh, it's like I just created more capacity for me to show up and for me to uh, play at my best when when I am aware of these things, when I am connected, uh, when I am in my lane, when I'm at my peak performance. It's like I'm just capable of more. Um, so yeah, your your performance. So just being intentional about it, like exercise, walks in nature, like Debbie that connected us, you know, she she has a whole path and a purpose around helping people get out in nature more and, ex and experience the magical rejuvenation and resetting capacity for unplugging from Wi-Fi, for getting out of the house, going on a walk, getting in nature, and it just electromagnetically resets you as well. So little habits, what you eat what environments do you put yourself on, who you put yourself around, um, all, uh, you know, uh, all those things are a big, big factor. It's also fascinating, isn't it, how if you empower other people to find their zone of genius as well, and let's say mm -hmm. they become your staff, that can have a big impact as well, can't it? Helping others find yeah. theirs that then allow you to fulfill yours. Talk to us a bit about that. Yeah, what I found, like, so my staff, they love, they love, I mean, I'm not an easy boss. I'm fairly demanding. I'm uh, always creating something new. I'm always going after something new. And, you know, what's, what happens is, as we do that, um, uh, you know, it creates a lot of change. So, like, I have a lot of change, but because my team feels like they're always growing, like they, most of my team members in today's day and age will stay with me three to four or five years, sometimes longer. Um, and it's because they're being challenged. They're being stretched. There's, there's 
uh, not a ceiling of their growth and capacity. Um, so if I'm always growing and I'm creating an environment that respects and appreciates and admires uh, other people's genius, guess what? Great things are going to happen. And that's what we want. We want to create an environment where people have room and capacity to flourish, capacity to stretch, capacity to become more of who they really are. So um, that's a big, big thing for me is like, how do I help people? My passion and obsession is unleashing people's genius. And, and people are more excited about work when they get to use their strengths and they're much more likely to flourish instead of flopping. Have you ever had to have a conversation with someone around this and maybe realized it wasn't quite aligned in the right way? And how did you go about making the adjustments and shifts once you realized what their zone of genius was? I think we've I always having to make shifts and always pay attention. Like right now, my EA, you know, she shared last week on something she was helping she wasn't negotiating, but she was helping with a contract. And she was just reminding me, hey, Mike, I hate to negotiate. And if I look in her strengths, on her strengths finder and on her Myers-Briggs and her wealth dynamics, it says, yep, she's not going to like to negotiate. <laughs> and so I keep her out of that. Um, and, and then we are fine-tuning, always fine-tuning people's roles. Christelle. Um, when my team members, I'm like locking her in more and more and more into her genius and into her potential to create um, around driving things forward. She's really good at certain things around that. Um, so that's a big piece too. Like wh where are they designed to flourish? How can I put them in the position for that? Even if that means, and if they're playing out of position, I want to be conscious of, oh, this is not their strength. So I'm going to put them over here. Um, set them up for, to succeed. And if they're out of position for too long, I know they're going to get frustrated and they're going to be unhappy. So I don't want them over there too long. <laughs> how, how fast do you tend to make changes? Is there anything that's perhaps too quick for people or have you found that quick is always better? Uh, I mean, it depends if it's a new idea, a new opportunity that um, I, I, might, I might make the change pretty immediately, like within the first, like, uh, you know, 30 to first, like couple of hours, I might, boom, hey, we're gonna shift to this right now. Um, but oftentimes it's a little bit longer than that. So um, I don't have a hard and fast rule, but if, if, uh, if I'm able to make the change quickly without creating too much pain and disruption, I wanted to do it quickly. Like uh, Christelle, one of my uh, employees, she she wanted to do a couple of things. Um, I made the decision in 20 minutes. Like, yep, okay, that makes sense. Let's do it. Because I'm guided by the principle of, like, for example, I recorded my audiobook. I'm not as good at, she's a voiceover actress and voiceover artist. She's a, a musician, a singer, songwriter, and she loves speaking. She loves, I like speaking too, but I don't want to, for me to read my book on audio, I did not do so good. I slurred my <laughs> words. I ran through it fast. I was bored and <laughs> bored reading my own book, not because my book is boring, but because it's a repetitive task that is not my genius. So I hand it off to her. I'm like, all right, I'll just do the intro and the outro and you can, you can record the book. 
And that was within, she proposed that idea to me at first. I was like, God, the author is supposed to read his own book. People want to hear from the author. And I was like, yeah, it's not my genius. Never will be. And I'm going to write a bunch of books. I don't want to read them all. All right. I'm going to hand it over to her. So what kind of questions do you ask yourself to help you? Because I imagine you've got a couple of rules that you set yourself, but that's an in-the-moment thing. That's like life happens, something's come up, and you've got to decide whether that's for you or whether that's for somebody else or whether you don't do it all together. How do you make those distinctions? Um, I look at, you know, the... Uh, you look at the nature of the potential impact, the leverage, the uh, challenge with it. Um, uh, you know, one of my rules is I want to look for things that are elf easy, lucrative, and fun. So if it's easy for me, that's probably actually in my genius. Because, and the thing, challenges, like there's probably things, what are you amazing at, Michael? I'm curious, what are you freaking amazing at? That just comes to you like that. You're like, boom, I got this. This is easy. It's actually kind of hard for a friend, romantic, you know, person, whatever. What what are a couple of things that you're just freaking amazing at? I'm curious. Um, for me personally, it's probably listening and being able to connect the dots with people before they can yeah. connect it themselves. Okay, great. So naturally, probably more of an empathetic, connected listener. Um, which makes you a great podcast host, right? You're asking thoughtful questions. You're flowing with the conversation instead of rigid. This is my outline of where I'm going. Um, so I've found for me, I'm what's easy for me, architecting out ideas, generating the first 80% of an idea, then letting someone else finish the last 20%. I'm not, I suck at finishing things. I'm amazing at the beginning. So I got to hire as a smart, not foolish, you know, uh, leader. I got to hire people around me that are amazing at the finish. And I got to be okay owning that saying, Hey, I'm amazing at this guys. I'm, I'm not so good at this. And the reality is the people around you already know that, but your honesty actually creates space for them to say, all right, Hey, Mike, remember you suck at this. Let me take that for you. And I'm good at this. I'll actually enjoy this. So how do you actually find people that can finish the things that you can't? Because while I understand the element of I'm great for the first 80%, the last 20 I tend to struggle. But how do you find someone where the last 20% is their genius? Because I'm sort of playing devil's advocate now if they yeah. themselves have a hard time starting because it's not their zone of genius, how do you balance that when you're trying to find people? So for me, uh, what I've found is, is when I look at my whole process, um, which I take people through five different personality tests, if they're a client, we're going through my zone of genius, um, my genius within book, my zone of genius course. Um, and so you go through the wealth dynamics, the only test that shows you your natural pathway for building wealth, which we all want to get wealth here, let's be honest, right? Uh, second, your strengths finder. Uh, that shows you some of your natural tendencies for strengths um, and your top five out of 34 strengths. Um, the third is your disc profile. Fourth is your Myers-Briggs. Uh, 
measures like how dominant you are, how interactive you are, how are you a steady personality type or are you kind of like up and down or are you conscientious or careful? Um, so I'm a high DI, low SC. Um, so I like to drive things forward. Um, and I, I like to influence and persuade people forward. I'm a high high in ideation and connectedness and belief and relator uh, on the strings finder. Um, uh, Myers-Briggs, INTP, so I like to architect things and I'm a great problem solver. Wealth Dynamics, I'm a creator. I like to generate ideas, create things. I'm great at project-based leadership, not people-based leadership. Um, I love to innovate um, and test out things and I, I'm comfortable with the risk. Like a lot of people wired like me or like Elon Musk, Steve Jobs, uh, Richard Branson, you know, they take risk and they might flop. They're okay with flopping. Like Elon Musk was almost bankrupt like three times in 2018. Uh, now he's the world's wealthiest man behind Vladimir and Putin. So, <laughs> right. So you think um, these things, uh, you're going to have bigger ups and downs as a creator. And I'm okay with that. So other people need to be steadier. Like Warren Buffett is a cute, He's an accumulator on the wealth dynamics, slow and steady. Now I look at, all right, so if I'm those things, so so if I'm a leader or business owner, um, my thing is I want to put myself in the, my right position to, to succeed. Um, like Socrates said, to know thyself is the beginning of all wisdom. D. Hawk, the founder of Visa, he found the very best leaders when he started writing for a Harvard Business Review. He found the very best leaders did something that ordinary leaders did not do which is they spent more than 50% of their leadership energy on leading themselves, which means I put myself in the right position. I don't, I'm not haphazard and accidental about that. Okay. And then I look around me when I do those tests, when someone goes through my full process, they got the greatest accumulation of clues about who on earth they are, what on earth they're meant to do. And then where they're amazing and then where they suck. So, then I look at, all right, I need someone that's amazing finisher, that loves the administration, that loves these other things, that loves to perform, loves to be out front. Okay, um, that's good. All right, so then I design job ads and roles that fit those profiles, not that attract another one of me. I don't want another one of me. I want someone else that, that balances me out, so that kind of makes sense <laughs> yeah it does it's almost like the more you know about yourself you can figure out where the gaps are where the spaces are where you don't quite have the complete picture you can find someone that completes the the picture for you mm -hmm. exactly yeah that whole jerry Maguire thing you complete me that's true <laughs> yeah yeah Okay, Mike, I have a bit of a rapid-fire questions for you, if you're open to it. Let's do it. What is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Spend 30 minutes a day learning and growing, at least. That has had such a long-term ripple effect. I learned that at age 19. And uh, so 30 minutes a day reading is, is what I, I started doing then. And now I've read over 2,000 books. Um, I'm, I can say I'm a certified expert in leadership, human performance, um, relationships, sales, marketing, business, entrepreneurship, 
so many other things, becoming uh, expert in trauma and healing, like restoring, uh, you know, human beings uh, to their full potential. Um, so, yeah, read 30 minutes a day. Uh, another another one was along those lines. Brian Tracy said, "Hey, if you read a book a month in your chosen field, you'll be an expert in three years." It's not that hard. No, no, it's not. Thirty-six books. What'll go down as the worst piece of advice you've ever received? Hmm. Um, I got advice from a mentor back in what was it like 2017 or something 2016 that i had all this talent and all this relationship in the real estate but my heart wasn't in it and was more my past than my future but i trusted his guidance and you know i started a uh, home renovation uh that i ended up honestly losing over two hundred thousand dollars on the only property i ever lost money on and i didn't go with my gut my gut was saying no you don't need to be in real estate in that arena anymore. You, you have a different path, a different future. Um, your past doesn't, it, it gives you clues about your future, but it doesn't dictate your future. And I, I wanted to move out of this, that arena. And now I'm fully out of it. But at the time, that's, uh, you know, it was kind of an obvious thing is like, hey, I, you got this thing, but my heart wasn't in it in my gut. And he didn't ask me, what does your gut say? What what are you longing for more of? So now as a, as a mentor to others, I'm not going to tell him just, hey, you can do this because you've done it in the past and it's easy money making opportunity. No, I want people to make decisions that are in alignment with their destiny. If someone was to struggle to find their zone of genius, let's say they've started, they've read your book and have decided to go down that path, what would you say to someone that was having a hard time really nailing it down? Um, I think, well, I think if uh, when someone goes down the path and starts the quest to find their genius, your goal is not to figure out everything uh, like a crystal ball or you know, a psychic. Your goal is to see what are the right next steps. You think of a you know, car at night. Car at night. The lights help you see the road ahead. The next parts of the road ahead, the turn ahead, doesn't let you see the whole road. I'm not gonna see the road. If I'm driving from uh, you know, Paris to Barcelona, I can't see the whole road at once, but I can see my next you know 100 feet or next 200 feet you know there's a verse in the bible in psalms that says your word is a lamp unto my feet light unto my path what's a lamp in in old times before we had you know when we were walking and traveling by horseback and all that a lamp you're holding up a lamp a gas powered lamp you can see or fire driven lamp, you can see the next five to six, seven, eight steps. Can't see everything. So sometimes we're obsessed with the finish line when we need to be obsessed with the journey and be present to the journey and the right next steps. What are my right next steps? What would you say was the biggest risk that you've taken that paid off and then the biggest risk that you take and that didn't pay off. 
And I think, uh, I, I feel like a lot of my most painful risks that I took that I lost money short term are now still really valuable. Like I look at my, you know, I started men's fashion line. I lost over 300 grand probably in that venture of just money that I lost and, and mistakes and things like that. Um, but then also the return on it of the learning and the growth and the, you know, Napoleon Hill says behind every setback is the seed of an equal or greater opportunity. And I have found, I, now what do you got to do with the seed? A seed, let's think of a walnut. You got to crack that sucker open. You got to bury it in the ground. You got to give it water and sunlight and fertilizer and all that for it to grow. So you got to be intentional with the seed. Otherwise it's going to be wasted. But the seed is really, really important. Um, uh, so there's seeds of opportunities in your failures. I don't think any failure is wasted unless I let it be wasted. Um, but starting clothing line, short term, man, that sucked. Doing that home renovation where I lost a couple hundred grand, that sucked. Um, there was no win in the next two or three years directly from that. Um, but long term, I'm going to be way smarter as a decision maker. Um, as a result of both of those. And I'm grateful I took those risks. Um, and, you know, I'm just getting started. So the next couple of years are going to be a tremendous fun for me. They already are. So for the last question in the rapid fire round, Mike, what would go down as your keys to success? And I'll let you list as many as you think are relevant. You know, uh, first one that I love is is knowing your genius. Um, I think Socrates was a pretty wise guy. He said, to know thyself is the beginning of all wisdom. So uh, um, now I'm a little biased. I created a book around finding human genius, but at the end of the day, Socrates, he, he mentored Plato and Aristotle, founders of Western culture. We don't have democracy without Socrates. Um, pretty wise guys. So I'm going to say, you know what? To know thyself is the beginning of all wisdom. Get to know yourself. People who accomplished extraordinary things put themselves in extraordinarily right positions over and over and over. I can go, you cannot tell me. Um, no, I have yet to see an example of someone who did something extraordinary that was not at the end when they got the end result was not in an extraordinarily right position. And there, it's part art, part science. You can figure out what an extraordinarily right position would be for you with much greater clarity, much greater precision. And think of how valuable precision is. If I'm having a heart surgery or brain surgery, I don't want the doctor to be guessing. I want them to be as freaking precise as possible. You know, and you look at, a, I was reading something about a SpaceX and all these rockets and stuff. They, they've been right the, the the science and the predictions, they have been right to the 99.9999% of the, of the time in the sense of the reactions and the results and time, like, you know, they predicted it was going to take X number of minutes and seconds, and they were on point to, like, they missed by two seconds some of those predictions. And it's like, wow, how they're so precisely right well, I think you can be precisely right on your genius. So the first thing, find your genius. The most important thing is figure out your genius, figure out your right position, and create that self-awareness, which also includes trauma and emotional intelligence and healing and wholeness and mindfulness 
so that you're not just bludgering people uh, and acting out of out of lack of self-control, which some people do. Do you have another one, or is that the uh, the main key to success for you? I have another one, uh, 100%. Um, I would say, again, back to the environmental design, put yourself in masterminds, put yourself, like I lead high-level masterminds, I'm in masterminds as well. Um, because, man, I put myself in those environments, guess what, I'm gonna naturally expand. If I put myself around other expansive people, over time, I'm gonna continue to expand. I'm just gonna ripple upwards. I wanna continue to ripple upwards, you know? So what does that look like for you? How do you put yourself in proximity? Proximity is power, because I have relationships now with so many amazing people that if I didn't have those relationships, I wouldn't be able to create and accomplish nearly as much. And I'd be fighting an uphill battle. So there's a massive benefit to relational net worth. To shift gears a little bit, Mike, um, I hear you're a pretty avid traveler. So you've been to a lot oh, yeah. of countries, a lot of traveling. Do you have any interesting places that you've visited and any particularly memorable stories that stand out? I mean, we've got a lot. We've been through, uh, getting, we got married in Florence, Italy. Um, and we love, love Florence, like studying, I'm a big fan of Da Vinci and Michelangelo and the story of the Renaissance. Like, uh, here's something crazy, you know, Florence. So Da Vinci, um, he was, he was born in the middle of the Renaissance and helped usher it in. But what happened before the Renaissance age, the black plague spread throughout Europe for a hundred years. It was a hundred year pandemic <laughs> that was like a hundred times worse than what we got now. Like 50 million people died at a time. The population was much smaller, like a third of the whole population died. Right. So that would be like billions of people being wiped out. And um, what happened, it, it created the disruption of the world order, created a new pathway for seeing the world, for acting. Um, uh, people migrated. It was one of the great migration movements of world history where people moved from this city to that city or this place to that place. And um, so I, we, when I walk the streets of Florence, I'm, uh, I'm stepping into a portal of a story that's already been happening. Like when we were born, our story did not begin with us. Our story began with our parents. And our parents' story began with their forefathers, right? Like, so they're, we're born into a story. Now we add to the story, but we're born into a story of human history, of our family history, of relationships, of patterns, of beliefs, of traumas, of stories. So um, being conscious of that. And so Florence, Italy is my favorite. Uh, my wife's favorite is Ireland, as we discussed uh, you know, we, we snuck into Ireland in the middle of the pandemic in 2020 um, for work purposes because my wife was writing, a, um, uh, she's still writing her novels and she wanted to be in Ireland for inspiration. Um, and fortunately, the border guy, I think, just got, when he, at, he, my wife started panicking because she's a rule follower. And he started drilling down some questions and like, hey, you're only supposed to be here if you're on medical 
uh, whatever medical worker, and and I just played it cool, went on, and uh, eventually he just rubber stamped us and let us in. But it, <laughs> he he did not want to, um, but fortunately we had a great time in Ireland, and um, and we missed out on all the music in the pubs though. That was my wife's like, you got to come back during when music is alive in the pubs. Um, so anyway. What's the future like for you? Have you got any big plans? I know you mentioned that you've got a few books in the pipeline. What's the future for Mike Zeller? Uh, probably a, uh, a new book every six months or so. That's going to be a big part of the future. Um uh, becoming known as America's number one expert at helping unleash people's genius. Um, so that's the second, the second big piece. Um, fingers crossed moving to LA, uh, Los Angeles. And then just, man, my obsession is, uh, is people's genius. And so how can I help unleash more, more genius in the world? You know, one of the crazy things when we, uh, they, in 1968, they did a study um, and found that 98% of four and five-year-olds scored at the genius level of creativity. But by the time they got to be full-fledged adults, only 2% of adults scored at human genius level of creativity. So in other words, NASA astronauts were less creative than four and five-year-olds. So... You know what? I want to I want to help bring that number back, like get us get the adults back up to the 98 percent, because I believe everybody has genius and I'll help uh, help unleash it. So that's my obsession right now. That's crazy to think that it's almost like growing up experience mm -hmm. tends to kill creativity almost. Oh, yeah. So just to finish us off, Mike, I've heard a rumor that you're actually an ordained minister. So in the spirit uh, yeah. of um, leaning no stone unturned, Mike, do you have anything in particular that you want to share before we finish off? You know, I think, I think God has purpose for us all. I think um, that we all have genius, I believe, and people's divine potential. And I believe that also if you have a desire that is within you for X or Y or whatever it is, that desire is good. And it's been placed there. Where did it come from? I think it's been most of our desires. Obviously we can have desires that are driven by greed or ego, but if it's a good, healthy desire um, and, it, and of accomplishment, you can desire to be very wealthy, but not out necessarily out of ego. Um, other than ego, like healthy self-regard, there is healthy ego, right? Um, uh, desires are good, and they—they, they, I think they're divinely ordered in most cases. Um, and pursue it. Be like most of us, if we stick with something long enough, and we are reflective creatures, human beings, we're among the most reflective of creatures, but not all of us used our reflective abilities <laughs> as well as we could. Um, you know, there's a reason the book is called Think and Grow Rich, not get busy and grow rich, not grind and grow rich, not hustle and work 80 hours a week and grow rich. It's think and grow rich. The magic is in the thinking uh, part of things. So, but that's a really hard work is the thinking. So if you're one of the 1% that wants to do some deeper thinking, 
then you can create magic in your life. Well, that's very, very well put, Mike, and a fantastic way to end. If anyone would like to uh, get to learn more about you, where can people find out more and also get the book? Well, yeah, thank you. Uh, you can go to geniuswithinbook.com um, and I also have a six steps to finding your genius guide. I'll put that in the notes or I'll give that to you, Mike, for the notes. Um, also, um, you know, you can uh, go to mikezeller.com or on any of the social media platforms, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, all at the Mike Zeller. So, and that's Z-E-L-L-E-R. So we'd love to hear from you. Dive in. You can get the book at Amazon as well, wherever you're at in the world. And we'd love to hear from you and serve you in your journey. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show. For those that are listening, make sure you subscribe if you haven't already so you don't miss any of our future episodes. Leave a review wherever you are listening into your podcast and feel free to share the show, tell others, spread the word and I look forward to seeing you all again on the next episode. Mike, thanks again for being a guest. Um, pleasure. Thanks for having me on. If you want to join a community of like-minded people that are on the journey for health, wealth, and happiness, then my fulfillment community, my inner circle, is for you. You get continuous support from myself and also the opportunity to be supported, helped, guided, and collaborate with the other members as well and also you get the chance to ask my podcast guests questions plenty of people in there already so if you click the link in the description for the episode you get access to a two-month free trial and you're under no obligation to continue and you can cancel whenever you want hopefully i'll see you there and i look forward to helping you on your journey